This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Number four on the list in terms of biggest disappointments based on expected win total and what happened. Well, we have a tie. We have a tie between two seasons. And let me just tell you right now, they are both candidates to be the worst season in the history of the New York Mets. You got 2017 and you have 2023. So let's start with 2023 because obviously that's what's led to this whole discussion. The Mets came into this season, this past season, with an over-under of 92 and a half. They won 75 games. The expectations were also buoyed by the fact that we won 101 games the previous year. The lineup was virtually the same. We were hoping Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, young players would contribute. They replaced Jacob DeGrom with Justin Verlander. They replaced Chris Bassett with Kodai Senga. They replaced, uh, let's say, Taiwan Walker with Jose Quintana. And the expectations were sky high. We underachieved by 17 and a half games. The exact same number we underachieved in 2017, which I may argue, that may be the worst season in the history of the Mets. 2017, the Mets had an over-under of 87 and a half, and they won 70 games. Keep in mind what happened. So in 2015, the New York Mets win the pennant. We all remember that. In 2016, the Mets get off to a bad start and get ravaged by injuries. They lose Matt Harvey. They lose Jacob deGrom. They never have Zach Wheeler. By the end of 2016, as the Mets are trudging their way to 87 wins and wildcard spot number one, they are relying on a rotation of Noah Syndergaard, who's fantastic, Robert Gazelman, Seth Lugo, Bartolo Colon. The 2016 Mets, by the end, you know, was kind of like a bag of misfit toys. The fact that they made the playoffs, I got to hand it to them, was very Yankees-like. You know how the Yankees kind of find a way to make the playoffs? The New York Mets that year featured Asdrubal Cabrera, who had a very good year, featured Neil Walker, who replaced Daniel Murphy from a year earlier. That was, or no, from, yeah, from a year earlier. That was a huge mistake. It featured James Loney getting a lot of time at first base. It featured them trading for Jay Bruce, and he was abysmal. It featured Kelly Johnson coming back again. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. And by the way, one other guy I forgot who got hurt that year was Steven Matz. So it wasn't just Matt Harvey, Jacob DeGrom, Zach Wheeler not pitching. You also throw Steven Matz in. But they managed to win 87 games. And they managed to get to the wild card game. 
And so the expectation going into the following season was, wait a second, we made the wild card game and we were ravaged by injuries. We get our guys back healthy. There's no stopping us. DeGrom's healthy. There's no stopping us. Robert Gazelman for a full year. Seth Lugo for a full year. Zach Wheeler's finally back. Matt Harvey's healthy. Steven Matz is healthy. Bro, it's on. And that's why I'll never forget saying this, Pete. When the Mets in 2017 went 70 and 92, and everything possibly went wrong with that team, I remember saying on the air at the time how it truly felt. This is the most disappointing year in the history of the New York Mets. Because that's how it felt. Because they had a season coming off of, and it's different than 22 to 23. Because 22, they won 101 games. Yeah, we're expecting them to be really good again. 16 was, wait, we won 87 games. We had all these injuries. We got to the wild card game. Holy crap, man. We're even somewhat healthy. Balls to the wall. We're winning a championship. And it was a disaster. Everything was a disaster. Yoenis Cespedes missed half the season. Disaster. Juan Lagares couldn't stay healthy. Disaster. Jose Reyes is back. Yippee to doodah. Disaster. Travis Darno missed 50 games. Disaster. Lucas Duda missed half the season. Disaster. Neil Walker missed half the season. Disaster. It was just from top to bottom. Here's all you need to know about the 2017 Mets. Jose Reyes played the most games on the team. And we're talking about a 34-year-old washed to a degree, Jose Reyes. 2017 was bad. So the one thing I have to throw a little caveat in there, and this was the frustration I had going in 2017, which not saying that I, I wanted to say I told you so, but sometimes you see the writing on the wall. Going into that offseason, what did the Mets do to make the team better? What was their big transaction? In 2007, going into 2017? Yeah. Resigning Yoenis Cespedes. For the <laughs> second year in a row. Like, they literally think about this. This is my biggest issue with Sandy Alderson. They made a huge splash in 2015. Like, like 2015, Sandy said, this is not going to be our year. We're, we're getting close. 2016, literally 2016 is going to be the year we compete. So 2015, they happened to strike, you know, hot, get hot. They were in it at the trade deadline. They struck gold. They First of all, they lucked out by not getting, um, what's his name, uh, Carlos Gomez and making that screwy trade. But they struck gold with Cespedes, who carried him to the playoffs. Got that. We understand that. So you already acquired Cespedes once in 2015. Their big move in 2016 was to re-sign him. They gave him that stupid opt-out. And then in 2017, again, your big move is to re-sign him. That is not getting better. That's just staying stagnant. That is something that was wrong with 2023 going into the season as well. They kind of stayed stagnant. You're not wrong. And I remember our bar was so low because the Wilpons owned the team that re-signing Cespedes, even though that contract turned out to be just an unmitigated disaster, excited us. But I think what they were banking on, and I guess it's similar to 2023, was specifically with the pitching. DeGrom will be great and be healthy. DeGrom was healthy. Jake made 31 starts, but he was very... He was, I don't want to rip him. He was their best pitcher. He had a three and a half ERA. He was not dominant Jake yet. He was solid Jake. He was innings eater Jake. I went out and threw 200 innings. Like he was, 
different than what we imagine now. Now we imagine dominant, but he never pitches. In 2017, Jacob DeGrom made 31 starts out of three and a half ERA made and threw 200 innings. So kind of throw him to the side because he was fine. Robert Gazelman sucked after the promise of 2016. Rafael Montero got a chance to pitch. He sucked. Seth Lugo as a starter, very average. Matt Harvey was bad. I mean, Matt Harvey was atrociously bad. And that was a shame because I think there was still hope that Matt Harvey was going to become something. And we obviously knew, okay, this is not happening. Zach Wheeler, finally back from Tommy John surgery, made 17 starts. He was bad. Not that that should surprise you, but I think there was hope coming off Tommy John. He'd be fine. And Steven Matz only made 13 starts, and he was bad. So what made 2017 the disaster that it really was was just the starting pitching, that youth. We didn't have, Do we have a nickname for them? Generation K was Paul Sizzy and Wilson. What was our nickname for Matz, Wheeler, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harbour? I don't even know what it was. But 2017 is when it all came crashing down. All came crashing down. And I leave out the fact that Noah Syndergaard only made seven starts. I forget him because Noah was so good in 2016. And he pitched well in the seven starts he made, but he got hurt and we never saw him again. So it was so disastrous. And it had a lot of promise. And much like what I said about 2009, you now know what it led to. It led to bad stuff. It led to a bad year in 2018. It led, well, first it led to Terry Collins being fired. Let's start with that. It led to Matt Harvey being gone. It led to that. But it led to the Mickey Calloway era, which produced a very disappointing 18 season, a frustrating 19 season. It led to Beltron into Rojas in 2020. It led to brand new ownership. It led to the disappointment of 21. And here we are. 22, the Fart in the wind, the 101 win season, my favorite phrase. And then the disappointment of 2023. Like 17 is really, really up there. 2009, 2017, 2023, to me, are the three finalists as the worst seasons in the history of the New York Mets. All right. So I, I, there's two nicknames that I came across, by the way, for those pitchers. Now, obviously, uh, they're, they're, one is for four of the pitchers and then one is for five. So, one is called the Four Horsemen of Queens. I don't remember that one so much, but that supposedly was Syndergaard, DeGrom, Harvey, and Mets. And the other was the Flushing Five. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I, I kind of remember the Flushing Five vaguely, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a big nickname guy. I don't even remember. It's funny with Generation K. I don't remember Generation K being a nickname until after the fact. Like As it was happening, I remember Dallas Green abusing Bill Pulsifer's arm. But I don't actually remember those nicknames. Either way, that's why 17 was a disappointment. So we got 2009. Do you agree, by the way, that those three are the seasons that jump out at you in terms of biggest disappointments as a Met fan? Or is there one that I'm not including that you would put up there? 2009, definitely. 2017, I you nailed it when you said it. I was about it. 2023. And I'm trying to think if there's something else that I'm, I'm that you're missing that should be obvious. I mean... Because again, it's the culmination of 2009 stems from the, the disappointment 2006, 2007, 2008 into 2009. So I, I think I think you nailed it. Yeah. So the edge that nine and seventeen have over twenty three, it's weird to say this, but the edge it has is we know how it played out. 
Like we know what happened next. And what really adds to the disappointment of nine and 17 is that it was the end of a mini era. 2017 was the true end of that little run that they had with the young pitching that propelled them to the World Series in 2015 and the wild card game in 16. And 17 was the realization of this isn't happening. Like this is not, this isn't going to end with some kind of sustained success. And I think 09 was very similar to that 06, 07, 08 era. You know, they had three competitive years in a row, the deep rivalry with the Philadelphia Phillies, the pennant races of 07 and 08, and 2009 just turned out to be the moment where you said, okay, this isn't going to work. Like, wow, we're never going to win with this team. 2023, we don't know. Now, 2023 is leading to a completely different era in the history of the New York Mets. There's a new manager. There's a new team president. There's uncertainty about what this team's going to do in the offseason. So a part of why I don't make it the most disappointing season in the history of the New York Mets is we still sort of have, have sort of have hope. Like I think the answer is 2009. You know, you know, no, actually 2017. And the reason why it's 2017 over 2009 is that while I still had hope for that core and for that roster, seven and eight kind of showed us they're gutless. It showed us. Yeah, they may make the playoffs, but are they ever going to go on a run? Did losing in the seventh game to the St. Louis Cardinals the way they did, did that break this team? Because they choked in 07, they lost the pennant race in 08, pennant races that were right in front of them. Let's be honest, as banged up as they were in 08 with that bullpen with Luis Ayala being forced to close, like it was in front of them in their own building. Win your games, you're going to the postseason. And they didn't do it. So looking back on it, 09 was so disappointing, especially with all those games that I, I recall and we remember, but you kind of knew that it was flawed. It wasn't going to work. 17, man, come on. You make the playoffs a year earlier. You have all that young pitching that we all believed in. Like, I think that's worse than 2023 because in 2023, we rented a bunch of old aces that we had no history with that we didn't have any long-term vision with. It was more, hey, let's win for a year or two, and then we're going to replace them. And we did it quicker than we thought. No no doubt about it. We got rid of them quicker. But in 17, there was hope that Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard and Matt Harvey and Jacob DeGrom and Zach Wheeler were all going to be the core that led us to the promised land. And it turned out to be a 90-loss season and the firing of a manager. So my opinion I crowned 2017 as the most disappointing year in the history of the New York Mets. I'm going to say 2023, and here's why. Um, it, it's a culmination of everything. First of all, you talked about 92, 93, 92 being the team that the worst team money could buy. I mean, the fact that the Mets put up $350 million and lost all those games. They won 75 games. That's embarrassing, especially after coming off of 101 wins. The trajectory of this team in a pl- era where you're supposed to make the playoffs it's supposed to be easier to make the playoffs three out of the five nl east teams made the playoffs and the mets won 75 games it's embarrassing you could talk about the injuries you could talk about the management the, who, the gm whatever it is it was all down it was so bad and you and i talked that up we talked up this team in 2017 again it was kind of reminded me of 2009 a little bit too where 2015 
We went to the World Series in 2016. A lot of guys got hurt, sure, but we we couldn't compete. We really couldn't compete in 2016 in the in the playoffs. If we even if we got past that first round, 2017, it just felt like they didn't do enough going into that off season that I felt good about the team, and that's what scared me is complacency. So the reason why. When we take emails, the Rico B at gmail.com, people are going to agree with you. Like, I, I think you're going to be in the majority on this is because a lot of people are going to put a lot of more stock in the money they spend than I do. While the money matters and they did spend a fortune on the 2023 team and they didn't in 2017. I mean, the money they spent in 2017 was essentially cesspitous. Like they didn't spend elsewhere. I don't look at it as. Did you get the best bang for your buck? Because clearly, if that's the question, then this is a debate between 92, 93, and 2023. I'd be the first to admit that. I look at it as, how did I feel going into a season? How confident was I going into a season? And while I had confidence the Mets would be a playoff team in 2023, obviously, I'm not going to rewrite history. I thought the Mets could win the World Series in 2017. I did. I did because of the pitching. I did because of what they showed me two years earlier in 2015. So I think more people will agree with you, but put yourself in the emotion of how you felt going into the start of that season and what you really, really thought from that team. I had higher expectations for winning a championship in 2017 than I did in 2023. Do not take this for anyone listening, as an excuse of 2023. 2023 sucked. It was the second worst year in the history of the franchise to me in my lifetime over the last 35 years. So obviously, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just trying to remind you. 2017 freaking blue. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to remind you of. Uh, definitely send us your emails and thoughts on this, and we will read some on the next edition of the Rico. So the topic won't be brought up again necessarily, but we will certainly respond to some of your feedback on the worst year in the history of the New York Mets. Pete goes with this year we just had, 2023. I go with 2017, but we hopefully laid out the case for a lot of other seasons in the history of this franchise. The Rico B at gmail.com. We will try to do some more positive episodes, some more like, yay, life is good episodes. But for now, coming off of the shadows of such a devastating season, I'm sorry. There's a lot of bad. Thanks for listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>